Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. Well, we've been in a teaching series, a sermon series called Finding Home. And this morning, I want to talk about our forever home, heaven. And I want to address some stereotypes and some common misunderstandings that we have about heaven. And and there's three predominant ones that I want to focus on because I think that they can be quite detrimental to our walk with God. Um, And so we want to look at those. But before I do that, I'm going to read some lyrics from an old Kenny Chesney song. Are there any country fans here? You're all afraid of being judged. (laughs) But I'll say, like, I like country music. I write country music. Um, uh, Go ahead. Cast judgment. (laughs) But Kenny Chesney wrote a song in 2009. It became a number one hit single, and it was called Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven. So I'm going to read some lyrics because it's going to frame kind of what I want us to talk about today. Here's some of the song lyrics. Preacher told me last Sunday morning, son, you better start living right. You need to quit the women in whiskey and carry it on all night. See, it already sounds like a country song. You already know the genre just by the first line. Don't you want to hear him call your name when you're standing at the pearly gates? I told the preacher, yes, I do, but I hope they don't call today. Everybody wants to go to heaven, have a mansion high up in the clouds. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. Someday... I want to see those streets of gold in my halo. But I wouldn't mind waiting at least 100 years or so. Everybody wants to go to heaven. It beats the other place, there ain't no doubt. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. I think I speak for the crowd. So the person who wrote this song actually was not Kenny Chesney. Um, the, The person who wrote this song, his name was Marty Dodson. And I took a songwriting class from Marty once, and he shared the story behind writing this song. Marty Dodson was a staff pastor at a church. And he noticed that whenever he was talking with people in this congregation about heaven, like nobody was really super interested to go there. It was just like better than the alternative, you know. And, and, And he really realized like, man, my people would just rather like stay here as long as they can. And so he wrote this song, came a number one hit. And I think the song lyrics are telling. I think his story's telling because we often think of heaven as being less real, less fulfilling, less tangible, less fun, less exciting than our lives here. And so what I want to do today is address three common misunderstandings of heaven. We're going to look at some scripture. And and my hope this morning is for us to develop... um, what Randy Alcorn calls a scripturally enhanced imagination for heaven, for our forever home. Because that'll help us look forward to it. And more than that, it'll also help us to live here and now resurrection lives. And so the first common myth or misconception about heaven is there there's this belief that among a lot of Christians that that scripture says we can't imagine our eternal home, so why bother? There, there's this one scripture that's used for this 
myth, and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Here's what it says. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love him. Right? You might, maybe you've heard that verse before, and a lot of Christians use that verse to say, see, like, we can't even imagine heaven. It, it's, it's just a waste of time to try to imagine heaven, so, so why bother? The, the only problem with that theology and that thinking is that this verse isn't about heaven. The Apostle Paul here is quoting the prophet Isaiah, and the prophet Isaiah was writing about Jesus um, going to the cross and being resurrected. He's prophesying about it. And, and so Paul's quoting him here. So the context isn't about heaven. It's about Jesus being crucified and resurrected. In fact, the, the very next verse, which nobody quotes when they're, when they're trying to use this verse to say that it's a waste of time to think about heaven. The very next verse says this. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. And yet still... Many Christians use this verse to dismiss the value of thinking about heaven, of trying to imagine heaven. And and here's why that's detrimental. Because we can't desire what we can't imagine. Right? We're just not going to desire something that we can't imagine. And the fact is that the scriptures are full. There's a whole ton of verses that talk about heaven, that talk about our future home, that talk about heaven and earth merging together, which is, which is why it's important to develop this scripturally enhanced imagination about heaven. On your handout, if you go to the very end of the handout, you'll see a list of scriptures. And those are just a few scriptures. That's not a comprehensive list by any means. But those are a few scriptures that you can look up this week that just talk about our forever home, our eternal home with God, heaven and earth, the new heavens and new earth merging. So I hope you take time to read some of those. Hopefully it's enough to to whet your appetite, to explore what the Bible actually says about uh, heaven. But let's go to the second myth that I want to cover today. And And the second common myth about heaven is that it's a disembodied realm where we'll sing worship music forever and ever. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times, I grew up in church, right? And I can't tell you how many times after singing like we just did, a pastor or a preacher would get up and say, one day we get to do this forever. And I just like die inside <laughs> when I hear that. Because um, let's be honest, that sounds dreadful. Now, if you're standing next to Jordan or Elliot or Lydia, it's a little less dreadful, like you can tolerate. But if you're standing next to, like, monotone singer, that's, like, the other place. <laughs> it's, and, and there's really only 15 good worship songs anyway, so what do you do when you've sung those? It would just be dreadful. Now, I love singing. I love music. But floating around in a disembodied soul, singing worship songs forever in a cloud is not heaven. <laughs> now, I'm certain that there's going to be singing in heaven. We, the scripture tells us that. There is going to be worship. There is going to be singing. There is going to be music in heaven. But the biblical teaching on heaven is much, much, much richer than that. And, and I, I fear as a pastor that sometimes when we say things like that, oh, we just get to do this, we just get this. Heaven is not an eternal worship service. <laughs> I know pastors love church. That's why we do what we do. But, not, but, but heaven is not an eternal worship service. It's much, much more rich than that. It's, the scripture tells us this, that one day 
heaven is going to come down and merge with earth. And we're going to live and we're going to play and we're going to work with God there. It'll be a place of discovery, discovery and creativity and ingenuity and surprise. It, it, it's not going to be monotonous. It's not going to be boring. And, and that leads me to the third common stereotype about heaven. And I think this is probably one of the most common ones and maybe even the, 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 more, the most detrimental one. And, it, and it's this belief that God will abandon and discard the earth. He'll just trash it as a failed experiment and, and snatch us up to some faraway, unfamiliar place. Uh, let me read a passage to you from the book of Revelation. And I think this one's on your handout. In fact, the whole chapter is on your handout. Revelation chapter 21, I'm just going to read three verses. First three verses. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully adorned for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. See, the scriptures teach time and again that rather than us going up to live in God's home forever, God is going to come down and live in the home he made for us forever. Simply put, that one day, heaven up there is going to come down here and merge with earth. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus was talking about uh, his disciples, and he says this for anyone who would be his disciple. He says, my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. See, God's, God's ultimate plan isn't to take us up into some realm made for him and the angels. His ultimate plan is to come down here and live in the place that he made for us. God created this world to be our home. We're made to live here. In the Lord's Prayer, what did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? He taught his disciples, he said, pray this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why did he teach them to pray that? Why would he tell them that's, that's, that's what you should pray, disciples? Because that prayer is going to be answered one day. And, and I'll say this. God has never and will never give up on his original creation. Guys, the earth is not some failed homework experiment that one day God will just crinkle up like a piece of paper and toss in the trash. The scripture uses all these different words to describe God's plan for the world. Let me, let me list some of the words that the scripture uses to talk about God's plan. Redeem is one of the words. Redeem. Restore, return, recover, renew, regenerate, resurrect. See, every one of those words that Scripture uses to talk about God's plan implies a return to an original condition that was lost. And so God, when Jesus returns, God's plan isn't to scrap the earth and to ditch it and be like, oh, well, that was a failure. I guess I'll just snatch everyone up to this faraway disembodied place. We have some harps up here, and we'll just float around the clouds, and we'll just sing forever. 
That's, that's not what's going to happen. When Jesus return, returns, there's this redemptive continuity to, to God's plan, right? His plan is to redeem the earth, restore it, recover it, renew his creation. And that, that means this, which, which is really exciting to me. If we want an idea of what our forever home will look like, we don't have to look very far. Let me explain that a little bit. I drive a 2012 Kia Forte. And the person I bought this car from ordered the car to not have anything electronic in it. So the, the locks are manual. Um, to roll down, to get the windows down, there's no buttons. There's actually a crank on the side of the door. You have to, like, roll down. I picked up my daughter and a friend once from school, and her friend says to me, how do I roll down the windows? <laughs> Because she's used to pushing a button, right? But I'm like, oh, you see that little handle on the door? You just got to crank it, and the window will go down. And she's just looking at me like, who are you, and where am I? But, so it's, it's an old car. But by looking and driving my 2012 Kia, I can somewhat imagine what driving a new 2021 Kia would look like. I know that the new car is going to have a dash. It's going to have a steering wheel. It's going to have brake pedal. It's going to have some seats, right? It's going to have an engine. It's going to have a trunk. So I can have some kind of idea. Now, it's going to be much, much nicer than my 2012 Kia with the crank windows, but I can have a general idea what it's going to look like. See, the world we live in now is bursting with clues about the new heavens and the new earth. That God's not going to whisk us to some faraway disembodied space, but it's going to be a physical, natural place, and it's going to look somewhat like where we live now. You know, um, Monday, my wife and I and my, two of my kids, we went up to the notch. We braved the notch. We know it's peak season. You're not supposed to do that if you're a Vermonter. Like, that's just a thing you don't do, right? But we're like, who, who cares? We'll, let's brave it. And so we, we drove up there and walked around, um, parked and walked around the notch, and it was just beautiful. And I remember at one point thinking, if this is what a sin-torn, fallen, broken, and cursed creation looks like, what will the new earth be like? It's just going to be stunning. Randy Alcorn, in his book Heaven, he's read over 150 books on heaven, um, a theologian, Bible scholar. He wrote a book on heaven, actually, and, and listen to what he says. He says, we have never seen the earth as God made it. Our planet, as we know it, is a shadowy halftone image of the original. But it does whet our appetite for the new earth. If the present earth, so diminished by the curse, is at times so beautiful and wonderful, if our bodies, so diminished by the curse, is at times overcome with the sense of the earth's beauty and wonder, then how magnificent will the new earth be? And what will it be like to experience the new earth and something else we've never known, perfect bodies, which 1 Corinthians 15 talks about. See, here's something I want to leave you with this morning. The gospel isn't just good news for us. It's good news for all creation. In the book of Romans chapter 8, let me read this first. Romans chapter 8, verse 19 says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day 
when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Verse 22, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised us. N.T. Wright, who is another theologian that I read, um, he says this about the, the passage we just read. The whole earth is standing on its tiptoes, waiting for the resurrection to sweep through it. I love that. See, if we want to imagine what our forever home is going to look like, it's going to look like this place, because we're made for this place. The Bible tells us that it's going to have mountains and rivers and trees and cities and gardens. And T. Wright goes on to say this about our new home, the resurrection of Jesus was the unveiling of God's new creation. He says it's the decisive moment, the decisive event that demonstrates that God's kingdom really has been launched on earth as it is in heaven. And so he he says this, that it points ahead, the resurrection of Jesus when he overcame death and defeated sin and death, when, when Jesus was resurrected, it points ahead to God's new world. And he's going to finish what he started. And so we're invited to practice living in it. We're invited to, to practice living in it right now as, as a resurrection people, to wake up and, and to come alive in God's new world. And so I'll say, I say all that to say this. The gospel is bigger than what we think. It's bigger than what we think. It's not about saving souls for some boring, disembodied, floating around thing where we sing forever. It's about God's new creation. God redeeming, restoring, making all things new, setting things to right again. And furthermore, the cross and resurrection of Jesus, when it defeated sin and death, it launched God's new world. And, and here, here's what I really want us to take away from today, is that we're invited to put our faith and trust in Jesus, practice living the way Jesus lived, empowered by the Holy Spirit, until God finishes what he started. <laughs> but if we can't imagine, if we don't have a scripturally enhanced imagination for our forever home, we just won't think about it. But when we can think about it and imagine it, according to Scripture, when we can think about it and imagine it, it actually enables and empowers us to live a resurrection life here and now. And that's my, my big concern, right, about, about this topic is I feel like a lot of people who identify as Christians, a lot of people who are following Jesus, they don't give any time to think about uh, God's redemptive plan and where it's ultimately going to go. And therefore, like, there's, they don't realize the invitation to live in resurrection life here and now. 
that God has extended that invitation to us that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we can start practicing right now. And so I want to say a prayer for us. Um, and then I'm going to invite Abby to come up, and she's going to tell us what we're going to do next. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that the, 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 the song lyrics that we read are, are, are mostly true, <laughs> that, that, that most of us don't want to go to heaven. Um, we do, just not right now. Because we're afraid that heaven is not going to be as fulfilling and real and exciting as our, as our life's here. And Lord, that's a, that's a false narrative, and we pray that you would free us of that. God, I pray that you would fill our hearts with anticipation for heaven and earth merging. For your new creation to be realized fully. God, I pray for for the ability to put our faith and trust in Jesus and the resurrection so that we can be a resurrection people here and now. God, I ask also that as we leave today and we we live in such a beautiful place, it's, it's, Vermont is like the most gorgeous place this time of year. And I pray as we see your creation, Lord, that we would see you. That you, that our hearts would just flutter with joy thinking about what a redeemed and fully resurrected, restored, renewed earth will be like. And I pray, Lord, that that, that would um, um, fill us with, with motivation to, to be the resurrection people you've invited us to be. So God, uh, help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to look around and, and see what it is that you're, you're doing and, and working in us. And we'll give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com.